People are amazing. And this world has a large supply of incredible people doing incredible things that have a story to tell. Stories that encourage, inspire, and are just plain interesting. Join us on the 1st and 15th of every month as David Dispinette meets with interesting and inspiring people that, well, he just wants to talk to. This is the book, right? I have not got a chance to dive into it. Yeah, that is the book. I need to reread it. I've read it like two or three times. Really? Is it really that good? It's, what, what did you get out of it? Like, it, uh, what, got you, what was the most, you, or what, what really hit it home for you on that book? Um, like, the things that the author offers are tangible things you can take away and just, like, right. start using them, right? And you do have to kind of take a lot of the stuff with a grain of salt because most of the research that the book dives into is on animals and rats and things of that nature, right? Which we have a lot of relation to, but at the same time, like, we exist in a chaotic world we don't have control over these things but the things he offers about how you control your light how you control your sleep how you control your feeding times and how you control your movement and exercise like we can all control those four things right right so is it trying to teach you to be more disciplined or it, trying to teach you like another way to look at it so that maybe it works for you right yeah a different perspective of how these things number one like what's the effect on your physiology and biology Okay. And the examples he gives are just like every time you read a new one, it's just you're like, I do that. I've I've done that before. Oh, so you can also associate oh, with you things associate with the books. really well, which is I think the great part about that book because you have been in that situation like, man, I I felt terrible, right? <laughs> I, I know how that feels. I'd probably don't want to feel like that again. And it's kind of like, well, this is maybe why that's yeah. Happening. It's like, well, what's your sleep like? Are are you viewing light deep into seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night? that's going to affect your sleep cycles, right? Are you even seeing the sunrise or some light in the morning? Are you getting light exposure in the morning? Um, you know, are you feeding erratically throughout the day, especially later into the night where you're never getting your, your gut or your intestinal tract chance to replicate and repair itself, right? What we need. Um, how are you using exercise? Is it an optimal time during the day? Are you not doing it at all? I just do it when I can. Yeah, right. Right, whenever it fits in my schedule. Yeah, which usually works. And then, but sometimes if we're we're pushing it too late in the evening, then it affects that sleep cycle, which can affect mm-hmm. essentially everything else, right? Um, so just a really, I love it because it's all tangible, usable stuff that we have control over, and it's zero cost. Okay. Right. So it's like, and you get immediate benefit from it because you notice feeling better. That's. Well, sleep is huge. Yeah. I know people People say sleep is huge, but I can <laughs> firsthand. Uh, this summer, um, I I, be, I wake up a lot at night. To I have a kidney issue. Okay. But nothing serious. It's an autoimmune disease, but it causes me to urinate multiple times a night sometimes. And we found that what was happening is I just wasn't sleeping well because I was waking up two or three times, four times. But I've been doing this sure. for years. And then I started having like these anxiety issues out of nowhere. Like my, like I'm like depressed and excited, but it's out of nowhere. It just mm-hmm. doesn't explain life's good. Like everything's great for the most part. Like you look at my life, like, you know, I'm happy. I'm good. But, and so, uh, I went and saw a psychiatrist Then my mom's a nurse and talked to them and they put me on a, something called trazodone, which is, uh, I guess a mild sleep sedative. It's, it was used for antidepressant and sleep. They found that it really worked better as a sleep sedative than as like an antidepressant. And I started taking that and then I started sleeping the whole night like not waking up to use the restroom mm. and within like two or three days I like was like everything was gone gone and I really think it was due to the fact that like for maybe five ten years I've been sleeping so bad it 
it finally caught up with yeah you. which shows you kind of the, like if you look at it from a different perspective how amazing the body is that it it can handle that kind of stress for that long before it's right. just like that's enough right and then it shows some signs of hey we need to change something but right exactly but everything in general business everything just got better after that like like i think it was because i was all of a sudden more focused and like i could rem- like i think i wasn't remembered like i think it would really affect 100 percent. and like after i all that went away i started getting good sleep like work became more efficient like so everything in general just got better mm-hmm. so i think that, that could have been a huge part of, huge uh, huge part yeah so that's people out there sleep i, I have one client that she sleeps four hours a day and that's it she works and sleeps four hours a day and she does work out, but she constantly has issues with, I mean, major issues with her body where they're doing surgeries. And I, I really, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Right. And it's like, it's so cool when you start, I don't know enough about it. I just know kind of the peripheral with right. sleep, but, but even like the breakdown of your sleep throughout the night, like the first four hours is basically just going through rip, repairing of all the cellular and biological processes right. from the day. And then after that, it's like, Hey, let's actually get you ready for the next day. So like, if you have like a night of drinking or whatever and you sleep really great those first four hours and then wake up and you can't get back to sleep, like you're just toasted yourself for the day. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I drink the night before, I, I've already, ex- like I've accepted that that next day, very little production, very little, <laughs> unless I absolutely have to. And then it's like a mental, like I'm forcing my body to be like, sorry, it's like, this is the decision you made. You, yeah. you had to do this today, but then you're just uncomfortable <laughs> the whole day doing whatever you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So it, that even shows you, it heightens your awareness of, wow, not only did, well, number one, alcohol have an effect on that, but the breakdown of those hours of sleep, they're different. The brain waves are different. Right. The, the cellular processes that happen during those hours are different. Which Do you use you, a smartwatch at all? I don't. Okay. I was wondering if you've ever tracked your sleep and like look at those metrics. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't like any of the 5Gs on my body. Okay. Yeah. You feel like that, that could be um, potentially harmful to the body? I think so. Okay. Yeah. We don't, you don't need to go any, down any crazy rabbit holes, but... Well... This stuff hasn't been around long enough for us to know, like, we, we, this me and everybody in the last 10 years that have started doing it, mm-hmm. that we'll know, like, in our, like, late in our lives, if, one, if it affected us, right? Right. And two, we'll have more, we just, it's so new. Same thing with COVID. Like, I know, right? Like, like, so much has already come out, like, the masks weren't really that big of a deal. And, like, certain yeah. things didn't help that we made a big deal about. But, again, we weren't going to, I guess, know that till we tried it and or had enough time to research yeah. it. Yeah. Granted, a lot of stuff that happened during COVID seemed like common sense to me. Exactly. <laughs> Probably should exercise, get some vitamin D, get some sunshine. They're just now starting to promote weight loss and healthy eating. Imagine that. Like, like, <laughs> it, oh man, oh, that's what I was going to talk to you. I saw a commercial and, uh, and I was going to bring it up and show it to you. I can't remember what it was, but pretty much it was talking about how diet, like uh, people with diabetes and people that are overweight and certain things have a higher risk of, um, of getting COVID. Mm-hmm. But then they gave a number of how many people are at high risk in America, uh, their number. And they said like 225 million people. So I went and looked because I was, I was thinking we're around 300 million something, right? I think we're like 330 three, or something. Yeah, like 330, 315, yeah. something like that. So what they're telling me in this commercial is that 85% of the population, well, that's not 85, it's like there. 65 or 75% of the population is, is, obese or has a major thing so Mm -hmm. either they're trying to get more people and just making up some stupid number or this that's (laughs) legit those are legit numbers man it's scary you think it's that high oh for sure you think it's when's the last time you went outside and just looked around it's hard to find a fit person oh my god right 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and I would say I'm fit, but I wouldn't say I'm the healthiest because of the food that I put in my body sometimes. Like I could be, I could be much better than I am. Like I eat fast food at least twice a week. Okay, well, you know what I mean? Like yeah. not eating, you know what I mean? So, but yes, you're right. You are very cognizant and aware of your choices though. Oh yeah. I feel right. guilty about them after I eat them. Well, <laughs> during I'm just like, it's so good. <laughs> There's a reason it's good, but <laughs> well, you know, everything in moderation. So if you break down all your meals yeah. and you're eating however many meals per week and you eat, you know, less than 5% of your meals from that source. Right. Um, you know what I mean? It's probably not having that big of an effect. I on love things. food. I, I've realized that about myself. I, if I can admit that I'm addicted or anything that I'm obsessed with, it is food. Got to fuel the body. Um, and I, 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 like when we go on vacation, I'll spend 80% of the money that I spend going out to eat every day. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like getting fish or like trying a different restaurant. Like I just love eating food. Um, but I found that what works best for me, if I eat 70 to 80% clean, like when I'm trying to eat in a little, like 20% where I still have a little sugar throughout the week and mm -hmm. I'll still maybe uh, have a slice or two of pizza or something like that, that I really like that's not healthy. I find that works best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have some kind of food is a great way for experiencing culture, yourself, your surroundings. You know, sometimes you got to throw a little wrench into this. I, I live to work out so I can eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, uh, what are you doing training wise these days um i just kind of well i've had i just had my third uh baby when my wife did um I was so about to say that'd be pretty impressive yeah maybe very unique very <laughs> unique um but so i kind of have to back off a little bit the last six or seven weeks because i can uh sleep right um being a, a, a uh, issue trying to get recharged for the next day but i still kind of do a little bit of everything since we chatted probably very similar you know, okay. mix in barbell, kettlebell, a little bit of dumbbell. Um, but it's still geared towards like just overall strength and noticing that strength throughout the day. Like, so you do you just learn to work around the kids to be, I mean like, Oh yeah. They're usually right with me the whole there's time. There's a lot of people with three kids that says they don't have time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just put up in my stories yesterday on my, uh, social medias. I had my six week old in her little chair wrapped up in a, you know, like a fleece blanket in my garage and my other two uh, boys running everywhere around me the whole time. Put you them know. to work. How are yeah. they? Six and three. Yeah. And my six-year-old loves it. Like I've got some five-pound dumbbells. He just mimics everything I do with well, those. Supposedly, and I don't know if you've done any more research, if you've done any research on this, but what I've read, that they're not 100% sure that um, that strength training or muscle growth is necessarily going to stunt a younger person's um height and stuff yeah I think didn't, they, didn't they believe that at one point in they time believe that, that at one point in time and there's been a lot of research i've had in the, uh the luxury of meeting a gentleman a long time ago who did a lot of research in kids and in, in, in exercise and like structured resistance training okay basically showing like we're obviously not trying to work at a higher percentage of like their capacity it's more about like hey can i teach them technique can I give them a resistance they can do 15 or 20 times? Obviously, they're going to build strength just through pure right. volume, right? Um, and that has been a great way to improve coordination, strength, enjoyment for movement, all those things without affecting growth whatsoever. If anything, helping growth because you're synchronizing all metabolically and hormonally good things that can happen, right? I would think. Yeah. Because, I mean exercise promotes positive hormones in the yeah. body. And if you look at a hundred years ago, six year olds were the ones carrying 50 pound gallons of cow's milk and baling hay and everything else. Like what's the difference between that and lifting a dumbbell? It's, uh, what, uh, 
the said principle of said specificity or whatever, yeah, like ad- ad- adaptation. Yeah, specific <laughs> like adaptation your, to your body demands. Will. Yeah. I really do feel like to a certain extent, if you tell your body you're going to do this every day and this is how you're going to do it and it doesn't like it, eventually it's just going to be like, oh, I'm going to give in on this. Yeah. Well, I think our bodies are made to move. We're meant to lift and move things no matter what the age. Obviously, there's like some limits to that compared to what we're capable of doing. But from my train of thought is we should get our kids moving as soon as possible. And what do you mean by that? By moving, like get them out, like climb trees, you know, walking, just, yeah, just being riding active. bikes, getting dirty, lifting up rocks. We weren't know? allowed in other people's houses. When I grew up, we had yeah. to ask permission. We could go in, call home and be like, can I go into Brad's house? Cause you're or, dirty and dusty and everything else. No, my parents didn't believe in video games, TV, Same. movies, like yeah. none of that stuff. Same. The, like I had to beg to get my first cell phone, but I could hang out on the streets out in front of the house over at Buddy's houses outside. Like I could do whatever. I had to check in like every 30 minutes. I'd have to run home, you know, 10 houses away maybe. Hey, mom, I'm alive. Go back to Brad's house or whoever's I'm hanging out with. I just couldn't go in the house. Right. The only time I could go in is to use the restroom and to make a phone call. And looking back now, how the hell would my mom have even known if I was in their house? I could have totally, I could have totally lied. You're right. She probably, she probably would have. Yeah. And I, for the most part, I mean, I did lie some, but. Well, she's trying to like infuse subconsciously, like this is important. You need to be outside. You need to be, you can, you can make the choice and lie if you want, but. I I remember playing like five on five touch, two hand touch football on the street. Mm -hmm. No one does that. Like, I don't even see kids on the street. I know it's sad. Um, But I mean, my parents, we'd run around all over the place. Yeah. Same. Um, It's good for you. Yeah, but yes, I do think that that kind of stuff translated. Like, I agree that it probably translated into me being more comfortable with being active. Like, we would hike and camp. Like, mm-hmm. uh, family vacations, when you have five kids, you don't got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but you got enough money for a tent, a, a vehicle, and, and food that they you get can out cook. there, man. Yeah. And so they take us to campgrounds. and There's nothing better than that. Honestly, I, I looking back now, I hit my teenage years. I hated it. I'd tell my dad I'd rather hang out with my friends than go hiking with them. <laughs> Looking back now, I'm like, man, screw those guys. I don't even talk to those people. Anymore. I know, right? But they instilled those values, and you know that's yeah. important. But so, yes, I do think there's a lot to be said about that. So 100%. I agree with you about getting kids out there. You know, but you've also got to have parents that are also like my parents were kind of. They've always been kind of active people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that. You're like setting the tone. Where for me, I always I love having my kids around, and ninety percent of my workouts they're on top of me the whole time. But that's important to me because I want them to at some point go to someone else's house and their parents don't work out. And I want that to blow their mind. Like, what do you mean your dad and mom don't right. exercise? Well, and they're going to be way more comfortable going into the gym exactly. whenever it's time for them to start, you know? Yeah. And my six year old already does. I mean, yeah. Dude lifted up a 70 pound kettlebell, just straight deadlifted it the other day. Uh-uh. Yeah. Just got right underneath of it and bam, lifted it up. Do you show him little, like, do you show him form and stuff? Yeah. Just, he just watched me <laughs> just through watching. Kids are smart, Just man. through observation. He went in there and just ripped it straight up. I was like, Okay. Okay. You got a little, a little. <laughs> and he's six years old and he's like, you know, I don't even know what he weighs, 48 pounds or something like that. I would have killed if I, man, if I could have started my fitness journey in my, in my high school years. That'd be key. Oh my God. I didn't really start till my late twenties, my real fitness journey. And I didn't really, really start till my mid thirties, yeah. like 31, 32. It gives you a greater appreciation for it now. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 36 years old and in many ways in the best shape, at least, uh, Strength wise, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess cosmetically, I, I probably in high school when I was an all state swimmer was 
like cardiovascular wise. Yeah. My what anaerobic aerobic aerobic aerobic, aerobic yeah. was probably no uh, doubt. No, probably not anywhere nearly as strong as you are now, but you could just oh, swim that. for days. I don't even think I could have back in high school. I bet you I couldn't even bench one thirty five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put the big plate on there and try and do it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Yeah. No, I would agree. It uh, the strength training part is 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 right. huge, and that's really your your big thing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of one of the things that most interests you about fitness and and doing you know uh, your research. I guess we really haven't inter- introduced you, but if you want to just give some of your credentials real quick before we dive into some of this, you know, your thought process through strengths and nervous system, uh, for those that did not watch the first podcast, mm-hmm. which was amazing by the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most, cool. it's the most listened to podcast on my, uh, my channel. That's You're up wild. by like 10, 10 views or something now. Wow. You're up to like 68 <laughs> views. Now. That feels good to know that people uh, listen. Well, your podcast continuously out of all the other, well, some of the other ones too, but yours somehow continuously gets ex, like so many views a week. Like, 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 like you and the other guy that has the right next to you as far as views. I don't know what it is that people like know you or, um, but you guys continue. like every week I'll see there's a couple of views on your podcast and like these two other people's That's podcasts. Pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, I guess people are finding it or whatever, or you're connected somehow, or someone promoted it and sit on their page somewhere. The interwebs, yeah, right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I had someone. You know who Becca Pike is? The name sounds familiar. She does. Uh, she owns Massage Strong, and then uh, she's like a life coach, pretty much. Mm-hmm. She, I, I think she does very well for herself, helping yeah. other people. Uh, but I was at the uh, bar the other night, and one of the bartenders was like, "Hey." Becca, whoever was talking about you or said something Isn't about awesome? you, and I was like, "What?" And she's like, yeah. "But anyways, because she knew I had a podcast, famous at the bar, and she found my podcast by listening to one of Becca's podcasts or something, because mm-hmm. she she follows her, and then I came across her. You know, it's crazy. Know. I don't understand how it works. I had a, a lady follow me on Instagram like two weeks ago, and uh, I don't even know where she is. Never seen her before. Not even local. And she says she loves podcasts and finished up an episode of one of her favorite podcasts and it said mine was the next recommended so she just went for it just went for it it was like i listened she was like i listened to like 10 of them the last couple of days it's great i was like holy god i have no idea how this works when, when that's you awesome. find someone that you find interesting and you like what they're talking about and it resonates like i i send people that one you did with the female uh what was her name that uh how to run again mm, yeah I mean, that 30 Natalie. minutes is so valuable to anybody that's trying to get back into it. Mm-hmm. The walking and like, I mean, it's a simple procedure or simple like protocol, right. but it's like one that I don't think people would just think of like, they, or they would have the patience that's the to key. follow the protocol because she doesn't want you running for like two to three weeks <laughs> or something like that or full on running. She was, yeah, she was an interesting take because she will go zero to a thousand, right? Because she likes to live in a thousand, right. which is great. I'm all for it. But sometimes, you know, the engine needs a, a oil change, yeah. right? Well, she didn't she promote kind of walking and then jogging. And she then did. Running? And it took, she was saying like running two, two, three, maybe even a month before you start like doing full on runs. Yeah. She, I think when I, we first started, I was like, well, what are your thoughts if you don't run for two months? And that was kind of like a, alarm. Well, about that was a shock for next her. Next week. Right. And I was like, maybe, you know, we, we know where this ends because this is like the third time you've done this. And, right. you know, what if we tried something different? And it, it, it's all, you know, it's hard for the human brain to sometimes realize that simple is usually the best. Right. You know, let's make it very simple. Let's understand it and then have some patience with it. People don't like to have patience. We want to see results right now. Right. But if you can stretch it out a little bit 
it only helps in the long run. But you could, sometimes, unfortunately, you have to hit like this point of like rock bottomness of like, uh, you know, I can't do this again. And, you know, I'm going to try something different no matter how bad it sucks. And then all of a sudden, two months later, I feel great. Let's yeah. go for it. You know, sometimes you really do got to change it up. You do. You do. So, um, well, I asked you this question and then we just went off on a tangent. <laughs> but what are uh, what are some of your credentials? What are the things that you're interested in? You have your own podcast. Um which is a really good podcast, as you guys heard us talk I about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess a little brief history is um, I have three degrees, which is kind of silly, but um, uh, the terminal one, obviously, is a PhD in exercise physiology. Um, had a lot of experience in um, research-wise cardiovascular um, fitness and health and all things in that realm. But at the same time, I did a lot of work with exercise programming for tactical groups, which that kind of sounds fancy, but really it's just like a regular dude or, or gal trying to get fit to do a manual task. Right. Which is kind of everybody. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it sounds military based. It, well, yeah, it's, it was SWAT and fire and police okay. and stuff like that, which was f- super fun to work with, um, in that realm. But it really sparked, sparked my interest in like, diving into and reading between right. the lines of what programming can be um, and all the nuance with it. You worked super fun. firefighters quite a bit, didn't you? I did. I worked with, uh, for four years, that was really my main research with the firefighters. Um, so you were coming up with programs for them and then doing research on those programs a and, li- how, a little and how, bit. They, how the result was? Or? A little bit. Um, the main part of my research was I was trying to figure out, because obviously with anybody that exists in our culture, the number one cause of death is like heart disease or heart attack or whatever that might be. Right. Well, firefighters, no difference. Over 50% are dying from essentially like a sudden cardiac death. So I was trying to figure out, well, we know these risk factors, but we can't pinpoint like, Hey, let's change this and this to get this person healthier. So I was trying to develop this objective measure of their cardiovascular disease risk. And I was looking at like basically their fitness and their fatness, how, how fat quote unquote fat is the cutoff. Right. And how much fit, should they be, you know, cardiovascularly to reduce or minimize this risk factor of this objective measure? It sounds well, that, very that fancy. That would have taken more than four years to do, right? It took, it took, it took me four years to do. Oh, was, and you, you had a, at least a working theory or I did. answer? Yeah, I had a really nice cutoff. My data looked really good. It was a really great study. It worked out awesome. Had the support of the Lexington firefighters, the whole, like, department. So did you get a grant, I guess? Uh, no. Or was this on the side from which, what else you were doing too? No, it was my main research project. Okay. I had some monies that I, I got granted, but it wasn't like a big chunk of money. But, um, you know, I, I was a pretty good scrounger. So what I did you find? What was little. the ending results again? I'm sure we talked about we it We did time. a little bit. It was, a, it was a measure of your arterial stiffness. Okay. The stiffness of your aorta. It should have some measure of compliance. Like when your heart ejects blood into the aorta, it should how do you stretch test and that? expand. It was called pulse wave velocity. Okay. So I took a measurement of your carotid artery and your femoral artery. And we can know in that distance, we could see how quickly the pulse of when the blood ejects sends a wave through the actual material of your artery. Okay. And it goes down into basically your crotch where that artery bifurcates. It goes into two different directions, hits that center point and bounces back to the heart. That's normal. It should happen. It helps. It actually helps things in the heart work properly but that rate at which it bounces back should be a certain speed the faster it goes means your arteries are stiffer right it's like a jump rope we hold a jump rope and i do the old weight like in your fifth grade class i do the wave thing and you watch the wave go and it kind of bounces back right (laughs) if you pull that tighter that wave goes back there and back really fast right right that's the stiffness effect so 
as we age, our arteries become stiffer um, naturally, but you can kind of counteract that with exercise and fitness and food and all that kind of stuff, right? Is it pumping more blood through your body constantly what keeps it less stiff? Um, not necessarily. The, the effect of the blood or is, the sedentariness of all the fat and everything that builds up. Yeah, so causes... the, the composition of your arteries will change depending on your lifestyle. Okay. Meaning that it will, there are things that happen mechanically within the structure of your arteries. If you're sedentary, if you're less fit, if you're over fat, things will change, not for the better, it becomes more stiff. Right. And that gives you a real number, gives you meters per second number of how quick that wave travels And that wave that the speed of that wave relates to the disease risk of things occurring at the heart, like the actual number. Right. Um, and so what I found was like these, these, I had a cutoff point of like, this is your fitness level and this is your percent body fat level. If you're above this, you're in my unfit over fat group. If you're below this, you're in my fit normal weight group or whatever we want to call it. Right. And essentially the group that was under fit and over fat had the arteries of a decade older population. Oh, wow. That was my main finding. Did any of them take it serious enough and actually make changes in their life? I, th I think so. Once they got some of these data, they were just, it was kind of a wake up call. I mean, they kind of already knew, but I'm like, hey, this now is, they actually had something yeah, that says this. That was the point. Like, I need to, because you can be like, oh, here's my blood pressure. Here's my age. Here's my, you know, whatever you want to look at, traditional risk factors. It's hard to like compile that and understand where you actually are. But if I give you a number, here's this number, this is what it, it's showing you, like a, an immediate relation to what my level right. of health might be arterially, right? And I was just like, kind of an eye-opening moment for some of these guys. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. It was a neat, it was a neat study. Um, that, that has nothing to do with exercise programming, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was like, hey, this is where your fitness needs to be. Number one, to do the job, right? Because the National Fire Protection Agency has says, like, they recommend this level of aerobic capacity to do the job well. And aside from that, if you're breathing oxygen and you're using the mechanism within the face mask, that immediately reduces your capacity fitness-wise, aerobic fitness-wise, because there's a cutoff with how much the flow can come. Right. So when you're working at max capacity, you may not be getting max air, which means you bump down your fitness level in that moment. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So it's like you need to be above what they're recommending if you're breathing air and you're doing something you know, maximal exertion wise. So mainly you got to start exercising. You, yeah. Eventually you just need to be fitter, yeah. you know, in all levels, <laughs> which you should be, if you're going to be doing a, you know, you're, you're trying to save someone's life and you might you be climbing think, right? 20 flights of stairs, do your job and then get back down. It's just, I, I think as people fit. get old, like anything, people get older, they get jaded, not even necessarily jaded with their jobs. This is what they do. And they've been doing it for so long and they just yeah. get comfortable. And I think the fire, I don't. I understand the need for the twenty-four hours on and forty-eight hours off, but that totally f's up everything biologically. Circadian code, right? Yeah. Terrible well, for you. If you're waking up in the middle of the night to go do a job, it's terrible for you. They don't, they do wake up all the time. Like my neighbor is a firefighter, and it's just just the effect of that twenty-four hours having to be on and waking up. You like you can't make up for that two days later than get back into it. You're you're always in a state of just like jet lag, essentially. Really? Yeah. And my brother just started with the fire department two or three months ago. Yeah. He got, well, he's already gone through the school and everything. He's actually oh, cool. riding an ambulance or a truck. He's got the orange helmet on. Yeah. 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 He's, I think he has to be training for like a year or something a like year. that. Um, yep. So he's very fit. Um, I've always wanted to take that, um, the the firefighting, like the test you got to take to mm -hmm. even be, to take the test. The CPAT. CPAT. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go take that. Just it's, to see. It's, it's easy. Is it? <laughs> 
Well, they give you like a, so much time. There's some there's some technical things in there that are challenging if you don't have the the right. correct technique down. But like fitness wise, you could go blow that out of the water okay. right, right now. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so programming, mm-hmm. like you love programming. I love programming. Yeah. Um, you know, tell talk, let's talk programming. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah to the to the regular typical layperson like that seems like the most boring thing ever. But I always look at it. Anybody My, that's really working on fitness, though, programming is they start, extremely important you start diving to achieve into your goals. It. Exactly. Because you, you just do the same thing. Obviously, you're going to get fit to a certain extent. But beyond that, you're working really hard to really see no improvement, right? Right. Um, so I think first you have to have just a really elementary level understanding of what the nervous system looks like and how each thing can impact it. Okay. Um, so I, the nervous system you want to think of really simply is just like a, a wave form, like kind of like a sine wave. So it's like a, you know, has a crest, has a, has a peak and kind of the middle of that wave is kind of like homeostasis. If you don't think of it that way, it's just like you and me chatting right now, right. feeling pretty good. Nothing's crazy. Right. When you hit the nervous system with any kind of an, a shock or an alarm, whether that's physical, emotional, uh, mental, whatever that looks like, you, you then start the dive the the bottom point of that curve and that's where things are changing in the nervous system whether it's like from centrally in the brain or spinal cord or things occurring down in the muscle um where we're trying to see like hey we did something let's get a check of what happened what do i need to right. repair what do i need to improve what do i need to recharge right and then that wave starts to come back up and the whole goal of the programming component is that wave goes above that level of homeostasis into kind of a supra physiological area where that's where you're trying to hit the next alarm, the next okay. workout, the next whatever. Right. So you're always trying to gauge like from, if I do this workout, how deep does that wave go down alarm wise? Cause it's depending on how the intensity of the workout or the duration or their overall volume, that wave going down can go very small or can go way down. Right. And the level of which it goes down is going to affect the duration of how long it takes to get back to the point where you want to go with another workout. You, okay. Oh, you're just talking about just recovery in just general re- yeah. for the next workout. Exactly. Right. So you're trying to hit. I guess that's why steroids are so beneficial because they allow you to get ready for that next workout. They can. Faster, right? right. They can that's increase the, the rate of, of, you know, protein synthesis to where you're repairing things quicker and having more there. But I guess you also got to make sure you're putting enough protein in your body for it to synthesize. You do, well, your body can synthesize its own protein, right? But you do have to have some of the essential amino acids that right. we have to eat, right? Um, do, you, do you take amino acids? Um, like uh, I do. Uh, like a powder form or whatever. Mm-hmm. A supplement. I use, well, my friends just turned me on to this not too long ago. The company called ProMix. Okay. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. It's like probably the best ingredient wise in the um, quality of ingredients that I've seen on the market. What are they, like 30, 40 bucks a month? No, I don't even know what it is. You get five pounds of grass-fed whey protein for like 79 bucks. Okay. Which is pretty good. Oh, so protein. I used, yep. Yeah, it's it's, it's, pro, it's, it's it have, whey protein, but it has all essential amino acids and has, has the BCAs and stuff. has everything. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So it's it's got a little bit of everything that you need. Yep. Yep. Um, and the ingredient-wise, it's great. Like there's nothing. I have to get you to send me that. It's, it's good. Is it tasty? It's pretty good. Yeah. And I, I also, I take just a maintenance level of creatine, like five. I do 10. Do you do, you do every day? Mm-hmm. I listen to a guy. Um, do you keep up with any people that know 
I listen to some guy that's kind of like he seems like he's the creatine guy. Mm. Like like he's done research on things, and no one's done that research to back up if he's if his research is correct. Okay. Or not. So he's like one of those guys that you know this is what he thinks is what he believes. And yeah. He says that the that you know once you get that initial boost of creatine in. Um, you can do five, but he says your body probably could handle more, up to ten. So I'm like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I yeah. don't think it's going to do any damage to my body. No, your body naturally produces it, right? Right, and, and you, you get it from meat. Well, you get sorry, it doesn't actually. You get it from meat, right? So if you're eating, which I think like, yeah, it doesn't actually produce it, but it's 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 you get it from your meat sources, and I think what happened, like, just if you look at like our timeline of of humans, we probably had higher quality meat and ate more meat. I would previous years, yeah, I mean, right? Meat was literally everything. The animal itself was healthier. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then when you killed it, you're cooking it right off the bat. Exactly. So like, there's no spices. No. So I would, I would assume that yeah. it would be so, a, so I a think, better quality. <laughs> I think back then, I think we probably ate enough, like what we should have been eating to get the amount of creatine our, our muscles need for the activities being used for, right. right? It's in the phosphocreatine energy system, which is like your the the time where you're doing like you're sprinting or lifting heavy resistance or trying to do things quickly. Well, he said it also helped with mental capacity. That's the thing I started belief. diving into was the the proponent of in the ner- central nervous system, specifically in the brain, where sometimes it is used for energy. But I, what I've been diving into on the creatine, which I started taking, it was it's showing signs of increasing your cognitive capacity. Okay, especially when you're fatigued or sleep deprived. So like your your ability to recall things or your ability to to process things quicker has been shown when you're taking even just like those five milligrams, you know, five grams of, of uh, creatine daily on top of your typical diet has been shown to be enough for the cognitive improvements. So that's what I really started diving into. It was like, but then obviously you notice it physically, which is. Yeah, I think it's very, very beneficial. But I, you know, I, like I said, I take the TRT, I take the creatine. Uh, I take, um, um, carterine. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's, it was studied in the nineties. I'm just doing like a, um, like a one cycle. You buy it at like a local supplement. It's kind of a, one of those SARMs in mm-hmm. a manner of speaking. It, it seems to be the least from what I've read and what research has been done, the least detrimental, uh, there's not a lot of side effects, um, that they that they've come across yet, mm-hmm. but it, I definitely notice a difference. Like when I take it in my energy levels, mm-hmm. so like I stopped it for a week because I need to go get uh, you get a month and a half at a time. I'm doing three months, and I noticed that week doing a work, and I was like, man, I'm tired. Like this, yeah. is, and I was like, oh shit, that maybe that stuff really helps. Probably part of the concoction, you know, part of the equation for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I'm, I usually I've done it before, but uh, like I'll just do it one time this year. And, See what happens. See what, yeah, see how I yeah. feel when I come off of it. Um, but yes, so, but yeah, creatine. So those are the three main things that I take that help that like, then of course, protein, you know, your basic vitamins. Stuff right. Like that. Yeah. I think if you're, you're exercising and specifically resistance training, like having some obviously increasing, like if you look at the, the research on protein, uh, the consensus I found was that if you're resistance training, you probably need somewhere between 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of your body weight to two and there's i've even seen some research people saying like hey 1.7 grams of protein per kilogram body weight if you go above and beyond that what we're eating and using you're probably going to be converting some of that protein elsewhere because it's at a capacity where we can't use it anymore um so it's like 
But for me, I'd rather have it in excess because if I need it, I want it to be there. Yes. Right. It's, but it's hard to eat. Like it is I'm hard 200 to eat. pounds. That's a lot of protein. So that's like, <laughs> right. Like I think 275, 300 grams, right? It's a lot. So if you were doing like, yeah, two grams per kilogram and you're 200 pounds, yeah. it's almost one gram per pound. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of food it protein is. wise. Um, and you can kind of cheat it by doing protein powder or Which, like, yeah. or a, uh, I'd make these protein shakes in the morning that were like 800 calories, but they were like 60 grams of protein. Boom. Um, which I, I know a lot of people think you can only do 30 grams of protein per every couple hours, but I don't, I don't, I never heard that before. You really, have you not? Mm-mm. Or what is it? You can do, uh, maybe not that. What I read is you can do 30%, 30% of your protein a day can be a supplement. The other 70 needs to be from food. Mm. It's but, probably a good, a good. Yeah, I think by. if you lived on just, I mean, I've even watched yeah. guys that did um, on YouTube that did like protein powder and that's all they had for like a week and they lost weight. Oh, yeah, because you're malnourished and they at lost, that point. And they lost muscle, right? <laughs> yeah. So like even though they were eating their 200 grams of protein a day, it was only through, I think, it might have been some water and protein. Yeah, that's like malnourishing themselves. Right, so you've got to have some actual substance. So that was his whole thi- thing was, though. He wanted to know, like, like if I get my allotted protein a day just off protein powder, how will that affect mm-hmm. my body? Sure, and it was an interesting, interesting video. Yeah, no doubt. I was trying to get my brother to do um, celery for like two weeks nonstop, <laughs> and like make a whole video on it. He said he was going to do it, and he's like, "No, I don't want to do that." That's pretty hardcore. I'm like, yeah, why would anybody really? Want it? it would be a great video for my YouTube channel, but he's like, "Why don't you do it?" I'm like, "Cause I don't want to." Yeah, right. I know, but no, I think yeah, kind of going back to what we were chatting yeah. about programming wise, I I find it super fun. Um, because you can kind of look at it from an experimental basis of I break things down and I do what's called block periodization or block programming where you you can have the block however long you want it to be. But what I found that works really well just in my own experience working with people I'm fortunate to work with and then talking with a lot of other strength and conditioning professionals that I, that I know is like if you kind of break everything down, it's like a month cycle, four week cycle. <clears throat> And you're never really changing a whole lot, but whether that's you're varying the movements or you're varying the overall amount of volume you're doing, or you're varying the speed or velocity of which you're moving things. Usually one of those three things is enough variation to attack the nervous system a little bit differently to where you can still progress, but not take two steps forward and one step back. Right. Okay. So you're saying if you're doing like five sets of five, strong as you can go, just trying to build up strength and mm-hmm. you hit a plateau. Right. Uh, maybe switching to like less sets, more reps. You or... could. Yeah. So it's, this is like the, the beauty of the art and the science of right. it. When you look at the nervous system in general, if I were to have you do something new that you haven't done in a long time or even new, just new novel to you within two weeks, your capacity for your, your brain to talk to your muscle and say, hey, let's do this, gets better within two weeks. And even if you haven't improved or gained any muscle, you've improved strength by 20 or 30%, right? And you're like, well, how in the hell did I do that? I, yeah, I've started doing a lot of five by five, and I'm like going up in strength. Right. But, you know, I've also never done so few reps before. Well, it's, it's, it just shows the beauty of the nervous system and like, hey, these I have these resources available to me, it just depends on when I'm going to access those resources, AKA which muscle fibers in specific I'm recruiting at what point in time am I recruiting them? Right. Those are all just changes that happen from the brain to the muscle. 
that pathway in which those muscles are being recruited. That's all that's changed within those couple of weeks. And all of a sudden you've gotten stronger, right? So that just shows like what we have innate uh, to how us. How long do you think that pathway takes before it's, it's so adaptable that you need to change. That's it. right. This, that's the key part. And that's where I found like the four weeks works really well. So you think four weeks is a little, cause you know, a lot of people say really a lot of people say three months or, uh, yeah, yeah. Three months, right? Yeah. 12 weeks. It, we're kind of like change your program every 12 weeks. So you think smaller variation in the change, but sooner change, right. faster change. And that's just my, because you also have to deal with the, is that how you train? Um, or is that how you do you still do you still have one on one clients or do you still have yeah. strength training clients that yeah. you're still working with? Yep. Okay. I do a lot of one on one still. Okay. Um, um the, the one of the beauties with like the f- four week or month time point is you're still dealing with a human. And if you have them do the same thing over and over and over again, kind of by the time you get to a month, you're like, All right, I need like I need something to change here. Well, yeah, if, if you make someone if you, that if if that's I'm doing not bench their press, thing. If I'm doing bench press again on Monday one more time, I'm gonna shoot somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you're dealing with like the psychological part of it too. See for me, I'm just like this I is what do I do. This, I do this is what I do. Yeah. I mean I could deadlift <laughs> but, every four days, it doesn't matter to me. But I also don't need someone standing over my shoulder and holding my hand to get through a workout. True. True. So uh doesn't mean I don't mind someone. I like working out with people, but um, some people need more motivation. So I get that. Right, so yeah, right. I, I do a, um, well, you know, I do my own cl- my class and I switch that up every week. Yep. So that, you know, a lot, some of the movements are the same, but there's always enough variation in the class that it never feels like it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It just makes it fun. Right. Cause we should yeah. be having fun still. The whole should. point should be fun. Should be a good, good challenge for fun. I thought you're supposed to just get it done. Yeah. It's not supposed <laughs> to be fun. Yeah. Check the box. Yeah. I'm like, some cool. days it cool. is. Sometimes you got to check the box, but overall it should be like, you know, yeah. a, a fun challenge Hell of like, what am I worth? Yeah. To, what, am I, what am I, what's my capacity today? Well, you know, it's been fun because I've never done five mm-hmm. by five. Uh, and mm-hmm. by the way, guys, that's five sets of five. Um, most of you probably know what that yeah. is. At probably a higher percentage, like what your capacity is, right? You're probably 85, 90% of well, what you've been doing for a couple time. weeks. So I'm just getting, I'm just now starting to get that as you were talking, the signals being mm-hmm. sent through the body. Right. Um, and so more or less, and I hadn't been lifting super heavy. I've been doing a lot of my classes and like less strength stuff, mm-hmm. even though I did a lot of strength last year. So like, so I'm just like in like two or three weeks, I'm just back to where I was at. Like, okay. like, like my squat, I left my squats at three sets of eight at 265. So I'm at, I do one set of five at 275 and the other four sets got to be 265. And then like my bench, I left <clears> it at three sets of eight for 245. And I think I'm at 250. For four, five sets of five, mm-hmm. you know, so it's taken a minute, but I'm I can already see that I'm within a month of doing this. I'll already be, but then we start boot camp next month, so I won't be strength training as well. Yeah, so, and I'll have to start all over again in April. <laughs> it's okay. I changed my. I don't really have goals other than get stronger, try to look a little bit bigger, and feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, and I just, I'm not constantly re, sticking sticking to a program like I probably should. Yeah. I'm well, just making sure that I hit every body part four or five times, six times a week. Yeah, right. That's the key part. And, and most of the time when I'm working with one of my clients who's really into, hey, <clears throat> let's get, let's like try and have a noticeable strength improvement in something every cycle, every month. That's good. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's fun. I think that's fun to shoot for, number one. Are they not able to do it every couple of weeks a lot of times? Are they doing the same <laughs> weight? Um, uh, actually, I, I already know the answer. Yeah. Because I have this. <laughs> they could do more. They could. They refuse to do more. Until they really feel confident with that weight. Yeah, that's true. That's part of a the, lot of times. That's a lot of times too. You want some um, coffee? No, I'm good. You sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll uh, sit here and drink the whole damn pot. <laughs> but yeah, that's like the that's where the fun starts for me. That's when like the real fun conversations start. And so, I mean, I'm thinking about like an example to give you. Um, one of the guys I'm working with right now, he's super fun to work with. Probably one of my favorite clients. 
because he's super interested in the process and we have great conversations about like going back and forth. So he's learning. He's You're like, like he's learning him. a ton. Yes. And he, awesome. and he brings up like, cause I'm, I value how their body feels on a day to day basis in comparing that to how it felt like last cycle. Right. So I take, even before I start the next programming phase, I'm like, you need to tell me everything you learned about your body. This, this phase. I don't have, I have like one client that would like take right? that time. It's so fun. Most of them are just like, just tell me what to do. He loves it. So that, but that's great. Cause that's exciting. Cause that means you get to learn. Super more, right? excited. I've learned so much. So we've, like, we've kind of come up with these, these formulas of how can I almost trick myself psychologically to get stronger throughout the week compared to like just putting on the same weight and trying to get one more rep or whatever that might look like. Right. So we've done these phases of in our movements, the basics always stay the same. We're always doing a squat. We're always doing a deadlift. We're always doing an overhead press. We're always doing some level, some type of major pull upper body wise. And he likes bench press still. So those five are always there. So is it a full body that you usually have them do? So we, we've, we've changed up full body, some phases, some phases we'll do, um, more of like a push pull, leg shoulders. How many phases pull. have you guys been through? We're on our sixth one. And have you changed it up every month? Every month we, we change up the, the staple movements stay there. We just change up the accessory movements. Okay. Right. And do you ever superset or anything like that? Um, it's it's in like a circuit of usually like four or five. So he's movements. moving. He's yeah. not. He's he's got his heart rate up it, while strength training. Right. Yes, right. I think that's the you best have way. to. We have to get. I do supersets with my five by five. Okay. Yeah. So it's hard. Makes it harder, but at the same does. time, it's like you get some element of you, all fitness. Well, you may not go up in strength as fast, but you're pushing your body when you go from a bench press into a deadlift. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is how I do things too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like you said, I like to keep my heart rate up. So if I don't have a specific cardio at the end or, or at the beginning, then my cardio is in the workout. Right. Uh, I also do a lot of body weight stuff uh, not as much lately, but I used to pretty much like, even if I supersetted, I would also have a body weight, like go to 10 pull-ups or sure. go do 25 push-ups, And I would do a hundred, maybe 30 or 40 pull-ups and a hundred push-ups during the workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found that to be beneficial just for day, everyday functionality. Right. Cause that's the key part too is like, Functionality is huge. Yeah. You don't have a chance. Like if you're doing something physical, it's like, oh, I needed to wait here for three minutes. I need my three minute rest. It's like, no, you need to keep doing something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, know? you need to teach, but sometimes that's a mental, gotta, that's a mental thing oh, no too, doubt. knowing that like, oh, my body can handle more. I'm just not going to allow it. To. No doubt. Like I can be uncomfortable for the next, well, yeah, until I'm finished with this. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, like one of my favorite functional movements, I don't know if you've ever done it. You take like a chair like this or like a wheel. I bought a wheelchair for the class and we put like 90 to uh, 135 pounds are like up 345s, up to 345s, mm-hmm. and you have to use your, your heels and you walk. Oh, like so ham- hammies are getting attacked. Well, yeah, so the idea is that you're attacking the hammies functionally. Mm-hmm. So like you're teaching the hamstrings to build muscle about as elongated and, and fully functional as, you know, it's better than if you're laying on your stomach and doing one or you're doing the one where you're pushing yeah. them. Uh, because they're more stationary where this is just teaching your body, oh, my hamstrings are like building muscle while physically working yeah i'm con- having to control joints yeah. control the length of those joints but i think that's more beneficial than going down and sitting at uh a machine well functionally for sure uh you may not get strong or yeah this may not help you get much stronger but it top it makes, it makes you yeah it makes you yeah. stronger on your day-to-day right when you need when you need those and hammies are like a weak point in mine because of my acl surgery yeah yeah and that's another conversation too is like do you want to improve your top tier 99 100% strength that you likely will never use or do you want to get really strong and have strength endurance at 95% or 92% right. of your overall top end strength and that that for me is way more important functionally day to day than like cuz if if you just trained you know 
close to your top end capacity. Let's say you're using 95% of your one rep max, trying to get one to two reps for four to six sets. Right. And let's say your bench goes up to 250, right? That's your one rep max, 250. Compared to, let's say I use 85% of my one rep max and I do four sets of seven or eight, but my one rep max only gets up to 243, right? right? I'm willing to sacrifice those seven pounds to be able to do something repetitively at a high end in the real exactly. world, right? That makes sense. That's the conversation I have a lot with a lot of people that like, we can look at it from that end or this end, which makes more sense for you to go out and be a person. Right. And so that I tried to teach was it, um, I really just athletic trying to be athletic is like to be as strong as quick mm-hmm. as controlled, like have all these things. And what is that? That perfect. Everything's on top of each other. Where's that center point? Right. 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 And that's, I mean, ideally that's where most people should want to be. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, cause I mean, you see bodybuilders, um, uh, and they're nowhere near as functional as like, as like a strength train person mm-hmm. that, and a bodybuilder may not be able to lift half the weight that someone that does strength that's, that's half true. their size cut up, but yeah. just like tiny. That's true. The, the specificity part yeah. right there. Right. I was watching uh videos on YouTube and there's this one guy and he dresses up as a janitor and he'll go around and clean. Um, he'll go around and clean. He'll walk up to someone doing like deadlifts and they're doing like 500, 600 pound deadlifts, you know, some huge bodybuilder. And, uh, and he'll be like, Oh, can I clean? So they'll get out of the way and he'll clean around it. And then he'll be like, Oh, this is, this is in the way. So then he just picks up the 600 pounds, drops it, cleans, picks it up. And literally their expression are like, yeah, right. <laughs> like what just happened? Cause he's tiny. Yeah. He's like, look- he's like a fourth of the size of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, that. <laughs> It's pretty funny videos because he does it to a lot of people. That's awesome. Uh, or he'll act like he doesn't know what he's doing, and then someone's like trying to help him, and then all of a sudden he does some stupid weight, and they're like, what? Is, that, "Is this good? Is that good?" Yeah, it, yeah it's like, is that? <laughs> oh um, man, yeah. But yeah, no, the, the uh, functionality though. Functionality is yeah. For me, that's important. There was a day when I was twenty or twenty-two, and it's just like, let's see how strong I can possibly get. Right. And that was cool for a while, but like. You know, beyond that, what's what's the use of all your effort? Do you ever train just straight up mobility? I it's something in the past I have. Yeah. So that's the one thing I'd say I lack the most in is is like I think that's one thing that's extremely important that probably most of us don't do enough of. Oh, 100 percent. We should uh, be doing some version of that every day. There should be yeah, like uh, you know you know Mike uh, Gardner, Fire Life Mike, I think on I Instagram. That's what his that's his that's kind of his shtick. Okay, is like he whatever the national functionality. There's like a uh, an academy or something that's the, you know, it's the more research they've really looked into it and they, you can kind of follow their teachings. But I've been to a couple of his classes, half an hour of torture, man. Mm-hmm. Cause my body's just so yeah, like the stuff they make you do is like, Oh, I thought I was functional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a 10 minute routine that he says, do it every morning when you wake up. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Yeah. Well, the part with too, with like the flexibility and mobility part is that's the one that takes the longest to notice an improvement. Right? Oh, yeah. It's like I can't throw another five pounds in the bar. I'm like, oh, I got stronger. Flexibility you can get in, in, uh, within two weeks. You'll notice a difference. Yeah. If, you like, if you put 20 minutes aside every day and you just really stretched, mm-hmm. or you didn't did yoga for like, you did some kind of yoga. You would notice. You, and within two weeks, you would notice that. Um, but yeah, I mean, strength, the only way you notice that is just... Put some more on. Can I get more reps? <laughs> can right? I get 10 more pounds, please? Yeah, yeah. I know, right? So, I don't know. It's it, For me, it's the fun part because you get to, you get to combine like the mental part with the physical part. And if you're changing that up, you're always keeping like that body brain awareness. 
I think that's the key part. I would say that if more people out there had mental toughness, you may find you could push harder. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lack of true mental toughness. Um, and so like if you had better mental toughness and you can, you know, so you're not fighting yourself. If you hate going to the gym every day, but you keep going and you're that you're just fighting yourself, mm-hmm. you're making it harder. But if you just accept that that's what you're going to do and you try to find a way to like it and have that mental toughness of like, I'm just going to give everything I've got. I think you'll see a change. Yeah. That too. Well, so I'm sure you just, like you just said, something you probably teach within your for sure. Programs. Yeah, there's like a recalibrating of your expectation to begin with, right? But then I think one of the most important themes around movement in general is that people have such a bad relationship with it because they've just had, you know, terrible education on why they're doing it. It's always like, you know, get better at this sport, get more skilled at this, understand the rules of this sport. What does it have to do with just general fitness and health? Right. right. I'm thinking of just going through school and physical education and stuff teaches you nothing about like lifelong fitness and why you're doing it. Nobody has the connection between the why. Once you establish a super strong why that's a truth and you can't argue it, so much easier to put yourself in that position to say, hey, exercise feels pretty good today. I'm going to make that choice to do it, regardless of how hard it is, right? Well, once you... I've met very few people that once they've done it for four weeks to eight weeks and been consistent, let's say three to five times a week, that doesn't... like. They, they notice a difference. Mm-hmm. Even if they quit, they're like, oh, you know, like I notice a difference in my body. Yeah. Like, I take three days off and I have a mental breakdown, let alone <laughs> yeah. what my body's going through. <laughs> right. Cause it's such an important part. You, yeah. you understand that connect. It's not just physical. I went, uh, went down to Alabama for five days and didn't work out at all one time. And literally, I think I was depressed by the time I got back. I'm like, sure. I was happy to be back. Or I, I had a blast going down uh, and visiting friends and family and had a really good time. But like, like that next day I got back, it was like the first thing I did. Like mm-hmm. I felt, Can't I almost wait felt to get sick. in there. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. I'll, we, we, we take vacations. I bring kettlebells. Well, that, and it was during Christmas. So all I did is eat, like, I just, mm. I just gorged yeah. for like a week straight. Probably were sick. <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> it was when they had that bad cold front. I actually oh, got yeah. stuck there an extra day because of it. Yeah. I had to wait because it hit Florida too. The gym is the medicine, man. That's part of the medicine. Yeah, so um, so is that pretty much all your clients? Are you doing the four-week thing? You change it up every four weeks? Yeah. Is there any clients that you have a longer... Um, like competitive people, you would train them differently, right? If they're in some kind of competitive uh, bodybuilding to, to, to body composition to whatever, you would have them trained differently, I would think, right? So, sometimes, but that, that most of 99% are probably a four-week cycle. Um, really? And even though I say it's four weeks, it's not like I'm drastically changing things. Right, right. you're making minimal... Because you say you, you do the four... Well, you said you always do what shoulder press well, as part of the, yeah, it's always gonna have overhead for most people just in general, overhead press, some kind of upper body pole, a squat and a hinge of some kind is overhead press and military. They're the same thing, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Whatever you want to call it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think those are kind of staples that you always should have there. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Right. But this is where you can start to keep people's interest in that you you can change the velocity of eccentric and concentric repetitions, right? How quickly are you lowering? So yeah, so you do you give them a count, like yeah. a three to five count or yep. five or. So if we're playing around with velocity, it might be like you know, let's just do a typical two second, two second this this month. Next month, let's try and do four second eccentric lowering phase, concentrically, intentionally with intent. How quick can I get to the top, right? So does every one of your programs have a count then? Um, my, I don't, I don't follow one per se for myself. Yeah. Not, not always. Most majority of the time it's like, let's do what's comfortable in what you're capable of doing 
with proper technique. Okay. Right. Which is usually like a one or two second lower and one or yeah. two second press, yeah. right? Just that's typical. probably what mine is. Yeah. I think that's fine. Most of the time that's what it is because when you start changing velocity, number one, it's you're, you're mentally locked in cause it's hard. <laughs> and once you start elongating eccentric wise, you're increasing that time under tension phase so much and loading the muscle for so much longer that sneakily increases your volume, even though right. volume is the same. You've done four times the amount of work, right? But over time, like initially, it feels like you're not going to be able to go up at all. And then all of a sudden, you mm -hmm. realize you're like, oh. Yeah. You blow <laughs> that person up for like two weeks. And yeah. Then they get like, oh my gosh, I'm like they super strong. Yeah. This next phase. So the next phase. It is smart. Yeah. But it is not fun. Right. It's not fun. So that's where it's like four weeks of that's enough. And then it's like, okay, now we've gotten X number stronger or we've done whatever that might look like. I don't go straight into like, let's see what your, your work, like, let's see what we just did. I kind of do like a buffer phase of let's kick it out to like RPE seven to eight rating of perceived exertion. Right. Um, do you, do you do much work with, with that? Uh, no. So I've, I've almost done a shift from programming like percentage of your one at max to using RPE specifically. So rating of rating of perceived exertion. Okay. How hard do you think you're working? Okay. Right. So from one to 10, one being minimal, 10 being this is all I got. Right. And you can look at that through any number of rep range. So if I say I want you to do um, 10 reps at an RPE of seven. So it's a little bit of learning process because it's very subjective. Right. But it really reinforces like you're always going back and forth between mentally and physically like what how hard am i working what's it feel like how hard am i working what's it feel like do i have more is this all i got right so if it says i say like let's do seven to eight rpe for 10 reps you get to 10 10 reps you could probably get two or three more before you start to, to fail right so you can kind of incrementally increase your rpe throughout a working set or working sets to where you can say start out at seven work to eight to nine finish out with ten right so you so you're can, getting, you're doing more reps by the end. Or you're doing less reps, more weight. Oh, that's okay. Yes. That's how I, I usually do it that way. Right. That makes sense. Um, or you, you could be more reps. Depending so how you, you, you don't always it. just stick to, all right, we're doing 225 today. And right. We're doing four sets of this or yep. three sets of that. Okay. I usually work through up to a certain point. Do you find that, like, so do you figure out what everybody's one max rep is for mm, everything? No. Okay. No. I didn't know if that, because that's what you're based on the, some of the, used to, like I on, used right? to, and that was kind of the part of the point because there's so much research behind that. But the, here's, here's my biggest problem with that is that we're never this, our body is never the same every day. You've been in the point where you put 200 pounds in the bar and bench pressed it and right. you, could, you could do it a thousand times. Right. You do I it. Wish. You do that it would be well, impressive though. It felt easy, right? I'd you get cut, some mad followers on the internet mad, for that one. Mad. <laughs> they probably make fake plays. <laughs> yeah. A little styrofoam one. I don't even think I could do a styrofoam one probably. <laughs> I mean, my arms would get tired before I got to a thousand of it. It was a pound. Yeah. But it was easy. Like 200 right. pounds was easy. But then right. you come back next week and you put 200 pounds in and you're like, oh my gosh, I can barely get five. Right? So it, it puts you in the moment in time of if I said go do 80% of your at max, but I want you to get, you can always get eight. You come in a crappy day, you're only getting four reps, right? So you're never working at the, your fullest capacity with what you're bringing to the table each day. But if I say go to eight RPE, we can always maximize that compared to how you feel. Some days are going to be amazing. Some days are going to be crappy, but you're always kind of maximizing your potential each day. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So you do that a lot with a lot of your clients. I do with most of my clients now with the RPE. Are you 
face to face or do you do a lot of online? It's all online. Okay. All virtual. So you don't get a chance to actually, because there are things you could probably do. Do you guys do video though sometimes? Sometimes. Sometimes we'll send video and sometimes we'll do some live stuff, but majority of the time it's them on their own re- reporting back and having conversations and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I use a lot of Marco Polo. Are you, you still growing? That before? No. What is that? No, I a, use Trainerize. Okay. Um, this is just a, I'll show it to you. Is it similar to Trainerize? No, it's it's like a just a basically a voice text where you can you can like pull up somebody and you can talk to them like hey I'm talking to you right now we're oh chatting my gosh. and then boom they open it up. I had that a long time ago yeah. when it first came out. It my was, family used I did it too. all the time and it was stupid because people just used it for dumb stuff. Yeah, but now I use it for business wise and it's way more like I get immediate feedback from this person and I can send a video and not have to worry about like is it gonna is it gonna make That's it through a text a, or whatever you know. So that's not a bad idea. People have really enjoyed it because they get that immediate it. feedback. Right? I know. It yeah. was very popular because we had like a group one. So people would be ad stuff. Mm-hmm. So every day you'd get on and you're like, oh, my sister Tears has said something in the group or my brother. Yep. And then I don't know what happened, but we stopped using yeah. it at some point in time. <laughs> so my clients like it. I've, so I've continued to use okay. it. Okay. Um, so that gets some of the, they'll send me some videos and stuff through that, which is nice um, to get some actual feedback of movement or technique or whatever. Right. Do you have many clients that are, Ground zero. Are most some, of your clients have have some formal understanding of, of the fitness? I've got training. some who have never lifted a weight before. Really? Yeah. So that's where programming really comes in the key. Well, yeah, you've got to teach. Yeah. yeah. So you have to really start at like very basic stuff that if I don't have my hands on them in person, I feel comfortable with them doing this without me being there. Right. Right. That's where like just having a, a toolbox to use helps. Um and I've gotten a lot of referrals lately. I've got kind of team up with different physicians all over the place. And I've got a, a really good contact who has his own kind of concierge uh, practice. And he deals a lot with osteoporosis. Okay. So I've got like 60 to 70 year old people coming to me that have never exercised before and are trying to improve bone health through exercise. Right. And properly loading them to get to a point where we're seeing some results. So I've gotten quite a few of them. That takes some time, though. Takes some time. But they're ready to, they're like, I understand that. What age group? 60 and older. They are are comfortable with the interwebs? Mm -hmm. Because that's probably the biggest thing is at that age group, the the knowledge base. It is. So you got to keep it it simple. Yeah. You got to keep it easy. Do you do phone calls with them a lot, though, too? Every week. Okay. Yep. So they have the face to face, which is nice. But you almost need to because at that point, it's like, oh, you're teaching. Kind of in charge of this person's. Like not getting hurt. <laughs> That's the idea, right? Yeah, right. You understand like this is the right way to do it, um, and they've they've surprisingly have done really well with what you, you think tech would be in a a person of older vintage. Right. Well, so I worked at a retirement home uh, training, and some of the people I worked with would definitely not be there. <laughs> I know, no. right? So the sad thing is, at that age group, they're so far behind the curve. It's not they're not too far, but right. they're. There's, well, well, there are a couple that were too far, but it's like yeah. all like you're just trying to slow down the progression, not yeah. even maintain. It's just like let's just slow this from happening because you're in such feeble position that like there's only so much I can do for you. Right, right. But at the same time, like they notice improvement because they you realize oh, how yeah. low no, the low yeah. was. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so we yeah. we would track like you know uh, leg press and all this. I mean, I had a. Now it was a. Um, I don't know how the PSI works for leg press, mm, but like it was the, like a PSI. Of, yeah, um, it was a PSI of. I think one of my clients got to two fifteen. So I don't know what that. I, I, I'm thinking it's supposed to be two hundred fifteen pounds of pressure. No idea. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, but he was one hundred and four years old. That's incredible. 
right? Muscle is muscle, man. It's still, yeah. it's still he's an old army vet that just like World War II vet is like then ready. To he's gonna be. It. He is gonna be alive when I'm on my deathbed. No still. kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's just not gonna die. Let me use the bathroom. Yeah. Quick. Go for it. Oh, it's coffee. Okay. Yep. It'll hit you. I can use it after you. What? The boot camp. Huh? He's gonna boot camp it. Are you gonna do it? <laughs> That's awesome. You should come to one of our classes sometime. I know. We do them um, Sundays, 11 a.m., Tuesdays, and Thursdays <clears throat> at 7:15 uh, p.m. So I don't know if any of those times ever work for you. You're welcome. At to some come point, it would. Once I get past the newborn stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel. I, have I told you the format that I use for it? I think you did last yeah. time. You had to re- remind me. So it's three cardio devices, and it's usually like a assault bike, a battle rope, a jump rope, box jump, run, like 0.2 mile, third of a mile run. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got two legs, which a lot of times legs are between leg extensions, squats, um, walking lunges. Um, and then we do, we'll come up with some other random leg exercises as well, like wall sits for a minute. Whew, mm. No one likes those. Nobody. It's, one, one minute, of my clients, a long time. One of my clients sit. just texted me about a wall sit. He was like, I hate you. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> They're so shitty. But especially in the middle of a workout, you know, if you don't do them early on and your legs yeah. are already tired, yep. then you have one shoulder, one back, one chest, one arm, um, and then two body weight, two core usually, and then one dynamic movement, one functional movement. Mm. <coughs> And the dynamic or functional movement would be something like uh, sometimes I'll do like 20 pounds slam ball mm. and then you got to do two squats and then pick it up and do it. Or the worst one I do is a slam and then burpee and then up. And that's, that yeah, that's not good. That's one rep. <laughs> or, or jumping over a box and making people do burpees. Yeah. But it dynamically and, uh, you know, it makes you makes your body move in a way that it's not used to moving. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I had to do this 30 times. Right. And ideally in real life, if you had to do something like that, your body's like, okay, I've done this before. True. You, you have to get off the ground. People need to get off the ground still. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, some people were, they're, were not in the best of shape. You know, like that's the cool thing I like about my classes. So far, I've been able to modify it for anybody and everybody that's come in. Mm-hmm. So some people, I just, there's certain exercises. I'm like, don't even do it. Just skip it. Yeah, that's fine. There's a, there's a modifier for anything. Exactly. Or like some people, like we were doing pistol squats one day and I was like, oh, we're just going to do a squat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just skip the pistol squat. Just do a squat because, you you know, um, but for the people that have been doing it for, I think I have three people that have been doing it for, with me for close to six months now, nice. and they uh, compositionally look different. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I'm starting to get annoyed at because even though he can't complete the workouts, he makes them harder. So I'll do like like we had this one thing that I do. It's real basic. You have to you go down on two knees. So you stand up and you have to just work your way down to where you're on both knees and then mm-hmm. work your way back up. And that counts as one rep. It's just a basic functional movement. Keep yeah. your balance like something. So, but when you got to do 50 of those, it's a lot, it is. <clears throat> and so we're doing them. And I look over at him one day and he's got a 40 pound sandbag yeah. and he's doing it. And I'm like, <laughs> God, you don't, you can't even finish these workouts. Why are you making it hard? <laughs> hey, it's, it's, simple. but he's done this multiple times, like taking an exercise I've given people. And then figured out a way to add weight to it. People don't think simple. I think it's like work. a thing for him now. Yeah. But it, it, it took him a while to get over the mental toughness. Now, unless I tell him to stop after an hour, like yeah. he'll go till he finishes. Like he's just mentally like, yeah, my body hurts, but I'm I'm there. I just can't get there fast enough. But right. Uh, but I really I really do respect him because he. I don't think fitness was really his thing until he started doing workouts, and mm-hmm. now he's like modifying it. To me. Yeah, right. To make things more it's, difficult. It's, it's easy to get addicted to. You know, it's a lot of good things happening. It is. Um, so how many clients do you train? 
I usually keep. Um, or do you have like a? You can only fit so many on your roster. Yeah, per just because the, the time and attention I want to give to them is probably more than I should, but it's okay. Um, so I usually keep a roster of like eight to twelve, somewhere in that range. Okay. Of one on ones, um, usually a couple times throughout the year I'll do more of a group, where I'll do like live workouts throughout the week, um, and just have kind of that group environment going on. Because some people don't want the one on one, and some people don't want the group. So you gotta gotta offer both. I'm getting into a different, uh, whole different entrepreneurial world of doing like men's retreats. So I'm holding the first one here in April. It's actually really? in Lexington. Okay. One of my buddies. What, what is the purpose of the retreat? It's kind of like we're, we're going to try and do two a year. My, my friend, he's a retired um, Department of Homeland Security agent, and he does like online fitness and stuff now, but he lives in Texas. Um, and we kind of want to have like a space for guy, men, entrepreneur type people um, and it do like something like we call it like rugged and refined where we do like a, a hike somewhere, wherever we are one day and make okay. it like this cool outdoor experience of just, you know, whatever that might look like. And then the next day do something like more like refined, like where we experience the culture of the, the scene or the city or whatever, and just have time to like share ideas and bounce off different perspectives off each other and whatever that might look like. Right. So you like charging for the retreat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we're, we're, we're staying at nice, nice places and okay. doing fun stuff and it so all costs money. Have us come do photo and video for you. Right. Promote the next one. Yeah. So he wanted to come to Lexington cause he, he wants to hike at the gorge. Cause I always go to the gorge and hike. So it's a phenomenal place to hike. Amazing. I love it. So I've gotten a whole private on private acreage out there, hike lined up for, uh, nice. All of Saturday, which is going to be incredible. It's, it's April fourteenth to the seventeenth, and then the next day we're doing Keeneland and some bourbon tours and stuff like that. It's going to be awesome. That will be awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of just a positive guys like. Yep. Just get away, get away from technology. Don't even bring your phone. You know, just kind of get out and just experience it, and just kind of hang out with some guys. Um, That'll be fun. So we're getting. I'm getting into that a little bit, and then I've, I'm also um, my sister in law. Uh, funny enough, she's this phenomenal life coach. She was a, a MD for 10 years. Okay. Burnout, hated it, wanted to actually treat people the way she wanted to treat them, you know? Um, so she started this life coaching practice and it's doing really well. And so she brings other coaches in um, to help with her clients that she works with. So I do that as well. So I kind of like, it's just a really broad so spectrum. So is life coaching something that you're kind of phasing into or going into yeah yeah quite more. a bit yeah so i that probably seems have seems to be the progression crazy. for a lot of fitness people it does well i think we life coach already right to we a certain do. extent yeah like we're we're not a licensed therapist but i give advice yeah and i'm given advice on things As like we I, should. I, have, I have i have you know like well you've got older clients mm -hmm. like you get to know i don't know how long you've had them but i'm sure you've had a couple that you've had for a while they've got all kinds of advice to give they do because they want to know about you. They're like, well, what's going on? I know, right? What's going on? Like, there was a girl I was dating one time, and I was talking to the guy about it, and he's like, get away from it now. And I'm like, what? And he's like, this is the reason. This is what you told me. And I'm like, really? And he's like, and then two weeks later, same thing happens. Like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> he really has been down this road. Yeah, right? So it's, yeah, I think it naturally That's progresses awesome. into that, because exercise is such a big part of our lives if we let it be. Right. And then we realize, oh, what, how much, what else, how much better can this actually be? Right? How, how good am I going to let things be? You know? Well, there's, I think we learn, uh, I think fitness opens up a door for us on, on a more positive, open-minded, at least for me, hundred percent the way I look at life. So then I'm like, well, what a, if I, if I can fix this aspect of my life with a little mm -hmm. bit of physical fitness, how else can I improve my life? Um, and I think you find that, uh, people that work out, they're generally more positive people. hundred percent. I would agree with that. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, most of the people I hang out with, they're, they're fitness people. Yeah, <laughs> a lot right? of them are fitness-related people, um, but it's because they're just such a joy to be around most of the time. Yeah, so. yeah. We just kind of have that level of understanding of like, hey, you're willing to work to make things better. That's right. going to start to Not everybody exudes positivity like yeah. Keenan over here, though. They, they can use... <laughs> Oh man, he's gonna hate me after next week. Exudes. <laughs> oh man, um, but no, yeah. So I think that's great, though. Yeah. So I've, I mean, I've had a lot of coaching with her and through her other coaches of like, you know, just understanding. Well, how long have you been? Arena. How long have you been in the fitness world? Forever, like over twenty years, right? Yeah. So I feel like some of that just like I like to life coach, but I also think I need more experience. Like I need to get to a point where I feel like I have some value to give people. Well, and I'm I think still you, learning myself. I think just doing it in the process of doing it, that's where the learning is. Right. And it's just another business. I got to put time and effort into branding. It does. Kind of. It does. I've got a million other. Yeah. It's so much. Of my <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, it's a, it's a broad and then, you know, I do this in minimal t- hours per week just cause I like to be with my kids more and that kind of stuff. But I, I would always love to put more time and attention do you, to do it. Do you track the time you put into work every week? Like stuff that is hobby work, work, like, yeah, I mean, the, my podcast is a hobby, but it kind of brings me business it's at work, the same though. time. It's still work, yeah. but it's, it doesn't feel like work. I try it brings and I, you indirect money. Exactly. I like. try and do things that I think are fun. Cause I, I feel like I just bring a better presence to it. And then good things happen after. 100%. You know? So I think all the stuff I do and it doesn't feel like work to me at all. Right. So like this podcast for me is like if, I mean, it's, I would be doing this as a hobby for fun, but it also has benefits in life too. Yeah. Like, like entrepreneurial benefits. But um, this is something I look forward to do every time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if everything is like people, that, right. how much cooler can it be than that? Life's good. Right. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of what I shoot for. So sometimes like I'll have three hours a day to work at something. Sometimes I'll have like eight, 12 minute chunks <laughs> per day to do something. I don't, you know, so, but I probably average like, I don't know, between an hour and a half and three hours of work every day. Oh, that's it. But like seven days a week. Yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. But when you really break it down, I get more work done in that time frame than I used to at a 50 hour per are, week job. Because those an hour and a half to three hours, you're at a laser 100%. beam. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Like you, like there are some days I'm like, I got so much to do. And I wake up early, I go to the coffee shop. A lot of it's administrative, sending out invoices, emailing people, right. setting up shoots, uh, maybe answering people, like, fill out stuff on my website to, that are interested in becoming, getting trained. Like, and I'm, I'm thinking this is going to take me days. And then, like, four hours later, I'm like, oh. Done with shit. everything. <laughs> okay, there's something wrong here. I know I have more to do. Right? Like, I know. And sometimes there is. Sometimes I'll be driving. I'm like, oh, shit, that's why I finished so fast. I did not work. Yeah. That <laughs> but the majority of the time, like you, you're getting more done in less time. Like you're, I don't you're waste the value time. of what you're bringing. I'm not going to sit better. there and waste time. Like, okay. So when you're at a job, like most, the average person at a job, they're eight hours they're there. I would love to know how much yeah. time well, they're, they're not on responsible their phone. for bringing their own money in. Right. Yeah. So I want to know how much time they're on the phone in the restroom, like doing multiple different mm-hmm distracting things from their job. I mean, they're still able to do their job. It's probably more than 50% of the time though. Right. Yeah. So when I sit down for that hour and a half to three hours or four hours, like it's a hundred, like it's like, it's like it's like 90, 95%. Like this is all I'm focused on. Yeah. But then you go to coffee shops and you get into, well, I get into some awesome conversations. That's true. It's part of the deal, but you're like, you're in flow more. And I think us subconsciously crave flow. It's hard to get into, but once you're there, it's like, and there is time doesn't exist. Certain type of person, that is just entrepreneurial in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, like, it's 
the way my brain works, I functions better that way. Hundred percent. And you're not going to get paid unless you do it. So you, you better <laughs> it's on do me, it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? But do you ever do you ever just work on things and you're just like, this could make me money one day. Like this is I get I feel like it needs to get done, but it's mm. also like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is this a waste of time? Because I've also spent a lot of time working on something I thought was going to benefit me down the line. I was like, oh, that was wasted 20 hours. Yeah. But still, you probably took something away from it. Oh, yeah. That. Did, That's I the key part. Sure. Yeah. It's all just kind of structuring how you're looking at it. For me, it's obviously if you're not getting paid immediately from it, if you enjoy it and you love it and it's bringing value right. to something outside of you, at some point that is going to... And that's why I continue to do this. Yeah. I, even if I didn't make money... I mean, I've made money from the podcast by people I've met and things that we've done exactly. outside of the podcast. That's but never the intent though. No, no. that's the thing. It's, it's kind of a, that's the beauty. A, yeah. It's a beautiful little thing that comes of it. Um, but, but I just, I enjoy this, man. Yeah, I do too. The podcast space is the best space. You know, anytime I'm asked to get on one or ask somebody else, it's always what, just uh, like so fun. What got you into doing a podcast? Like what, what got you doing your podcast? Um, cause I know you like to do a lot of research. Yeah. And, and you write papers too, right? You've been, I've, you've, I've written been papers. Published. I've been published. Yeah. I'm writing a book how right many, now. How many times have you been published? Not very many. Okay. A couple of times. It's usually, is it exercise science related? It's usually? in like, yeah, it's in scientific literature okay. that nobody's going to read. Except other scientists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that was like kind of the, the initial thought behind my podcast was like, I love one of my favorite things doing in grad school is I had a really cool advisor where once a week we just pick out a random article that sounded cool. And we'd sit down like Thursday at noon, eat our lunch and just like, hey, what would we find in this article? Just kind of nerd out on it. Okay. Right. So I got kind of hooked to that because it's it uh, it's just fun to see what people are doing first off and then really seeing what humans are capable of doing and what happens when you read some of these research articles. Right. So I always love that. I love I'm, I'm a teacher at heart, love teaching, but I've gotten out of the academia world. So when I was thinking, like, how can I still like bring that fun into my life of right. like what I love to do and will bring it to my own space when I can do it whenever I want. And it was just like nine o'clock at night on a random like weekday. I was like, I should start a podcast. I Googled like who's, who can be, who can host, right? How much does it cost? Laid out a two minute intro at like nine thirty at night. And that's when my podcast started. And it's not that expensive. Really? $12 a month is what I pay for it for. I, I do buzz sprout. I don't even know what that is. It's just the hosting. Okay. It's my hosting site. I pay 12 bucks a month and I get, three hours per month of downloads and then it shoots it out to whatever I wanted to put on. So I put Apple iTunes. I do. Have you looked at anchor? I've heard of anchor. It's free. Is it? I upload everything to anchor. That's not bad. I don't know if there's other features you get with Buzzsprout, but, uh, anchor doesn't cost anything and they just allowed it to where I can upload video. So all this will be, you know, oh, when we nice. cut the video, we upload it to anchor and then it sends it out to everything I'll have to check it out. So like all of our Spotify, like this will be when you, if people listen to this on Spotify, they can also watch it. Oh, cool. At the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's actually. really cool. <laughs> I'd have to look into that. Buzzsprout's been good to me. They have, I think they do have other services well, that I'm not, I'm that I'm not using. Well, I'm guessing other things that, Because there's stuff in there built in to like monetize. Do you do the the podcast itself through Buzzsprout? No. You just okay. record it wherever and then upload and it then to upload it. Yeah. Okay. And it does it. Yeah. So it uh, it's worked well. How and, many episodes do you, do you got now? Um, oh, man. Not, I think I've got like 60-ish, okay. maybe 60 plus. I try and do like two to three a month. Is gotcha. kind of my goal. And this is my third season. I just started this third year of doing it. What do you do, like 12 episodes per season or something? No, I think I've got 20, 20 26 to 32, something like 25 to 35, something like that. Okay. Per, per, I just per did season. a year. Right. Okay, January so whatever to, it is. January to December, year. I just I got you. call it a season. 
that makes sense. That makes just sense. to kind of categorize it. Do you get do you get views? Do you get pretty good views? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get like per episode. I probably get between like eighty to one fifty. That's that's fantastic. Not, not terrible for just a dude sitting in his <laughs> garage talking. Like 30, 40 views. So we'll it, get there. Though is, I think yeah. a lot of it's just time consistency. It is, and having awesome people like you on. That's the key. <laughs> I think if you do it long enough, this is my, my good friend who I'm doing these re- guys retreats with him and his wife started this business like over 10 years ago and they're, they're making like seven figures plus doing this business now. But he says like the, his friends or people he meets, they think he's just overnight success from like making money. And he's like, well, it's funny how after, after 10 years, I finally became an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is true. Yeah. He's I mean, like, I'm me. so relentless for a decade where I made like nothing. To all of a sudden, like you start to build and then right. you end up Snowball where you are. Yeah. But yeah, it took me 10 years or close to 10 years to get to a point where I could 100% work on work for myself. Yeah. I didn't have to have like a part-time job at the mall or somewhere. Exactly. Or just making an extra five, 600 bucks a month just to cover what I need to cover. Yep. But who's um, willing to do that? That takes some serious patience, serious dedication. I just, I don't want to work for people. Like my disdain same, for same. working for another person is so high that it's like I was, I'm just never going to give up. <laughs> until until I make enough money to live That's off of where it, it's at. Or I end up on the streets, one of the two. And you're fine either way because you're yeah. going to make it. Yeah, you know I'm not I mean? going to. Yeah, there's yeah. no way I'm going to fail. Yeah. I mean, I might have small failures, but I'll learn from those. And exactly. And I'll have even more success. 100%, man. Once, once you get to that level of like, you look at a spec, everything is on a spectrum for me. It's going to be the absolute amazing most outcome I can possibly right. have, or it's going to be the worst. I'm willing to accept both. Once you get yeah. to that level, majority of the time, you're on the good end of the spectrum. I do try to be really good because I have a tendency to be negative about things. Like I'll think about something that would be positive and I'll think of it in a negative way. Like what if I'll think of the failure first before sure. the success and I've been trying Human to be nature. better about, cause I do believe if you believe in success and you believe like if I, I, I honestly believe if a person just thinks their whole life, they're going to have cancer at 50 They'll years old. I genuinely believe that they somehow too. get cancer if they believe that that's, you know, yeah. And uh, I believe that if you believe, you know, and I don't know if this is true, but you know, to a certain extent, I believe if you believe that you can eradicate the cancer and you make it's happened before, you'll need to make changes, probably. You know, what mm-hmm. you eat, certain things, uh, but I think you have a better chance at, at instead of being depressed about having cancer, but being like, okay, I've got it, I'm going to fight it, I'm going to be positive about it. You have a better chance at a, a better outcome. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, mindset is it's everything. And if you yeah. look at like you get played by your human nature all the time. Mainly, if you look at humans, we've we've survived a long time through a lot of crap. Right. Yeah. So like our innate capacity to survive is unmatched by anything. Right. <laughs> but when you're in survival mode all the time, you're constantly in negativity because right. you're always thinking you're being attacked by something. You're but always to looking at us. We're really not in survival. mode. No, anymore. but most 95% Even... of people are, are living in survival mode right now. Right. I know. Isn't it crazy? But once you break free from that and realize like, oh, like where you and I are yeah. right now, we're willing to accept this or this yeah. because I know I can be here. Right. If I'm here, I'm going to figure out how to get here because I've done it before, right? Most people are so afraid of here that they're always living just right here. Yeah, but you get enough of those people living right there, believing like this, that that will change the whole world, which is like, where we are like, right like, now. Like, <laughs> so I really do think that we're going to have World War III probably sometime in the near future because I think so many other people believe that it's going to happen. Like the news keeps pushing it down, and I feel like if the whole world is like, oh, there's going to be a World War III. Uh. I don't think many people are watching the news. But you know with. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a lot of what's being put out there in the media is like World War Three and like all these really negative things. And I think if we get behind that and we believe it, right? Yep. That it, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think but, many people are behind it, though. Uh, they, they, they want you to think many people are behind it. And maybe that's it. So yeah. um, I'd like to think that we're all going to get along. I think so, too. I think we will. 
I, I really hope. I, I have a buddy, the guy, uh, he's a professor at, uh, at EKU. And uh, he's a firm believer that there's a, a alien civilization that watches over us. And he thinks that if we get to a point where we could do mass destruction to the earth, that they're going to step in. He really believes it. Really? I'm like, hey, man, that sounds good to me. Like, <laughs> if he wants to step in and keep Russia or anybody else from shooting their nukes, like, and they're out for our good, come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's only one. I would hope they're going to be out for our good if they're stepping in to keep us from killing ourselves. <laughs> but then we'd probably try to kill them. And they'd be like, what the? It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> you guys are ants. I just keep training so I can fend off the robots at some point. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there's a chance that we may end up at some point in time in our life have to go into some, you know, there's a lot of belief. I was listening to a, uh, a financial analyst um, and he works, he contracts with the government, but he thinks that we're at about our peak and we're actually going to degress a little bit. We're going to hit a point because he also thinks there's like these major materials are about to become unavailable and if we don't have other materials we, we can't continue to grow mm. it was interesting yeah so but anyways nick yeah, thanks man. for coming on man thanks for having me again it's fun <laughs> it, to see it, it you is know, to be a returning guest yeah well we've changed up so much since you I like here i like it the, we gotta step the production up looks so. good but no i appreciate you coming back i really wanted to have you back on and after listening to my first podcast with you it's like i can do better than this hey everything every time you get a little better <laughs> you right? do you yeah. do yeah <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on. And as always, guys, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, man.